Today I want to concentrate on the anguish of Jesus' words on the cross. I want to read first of all from John chapter 19. If you've got your Bibles or your phones with a Bible on it, and it's not the same as the Bible, I don't think, but to each his own. Chapter 19, can we have the house lights on? I need more light at times like this. Thank you, Will. Ah, that's so much better. Now I can see. John chapter 19, verse 28 to 30. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled the sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished, and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Father, we read it in a few short verses, but Lord, we want to look at it in reality, Lord, it didn't just happen in a few short verses. It happened over a period of time with all kinds of agony that he went through for us. All the pain he bore for us. All the sin he bore for us. And Lord, I just pray that after this morning, Lord, we will have a greater appreciation and a greater thankfulness of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. Help me as I bring it. Father, I pray for all the hearers that they may hear. Lord, be encouraged, enthused, and thankful. For I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Of all the words that Christ spoke from the cross, his cry, I thirst, was the shortest. It was one of the most relating to his own anguish. He prayed for others, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Can you imagine that? They've just nailed him to a cross. He had answered the prayer of the penitent thief. He had considered the needs of his mother. He had prayed to the Father in the darkness, and now he cries, I thirst. Bystanders had heard the most awful cry fall from human lips, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I just, I can't even begin to imagine that. Now they heard one of the most common phrases spoken by people. They could hear this word any hour in this parched land, I thirst. Now though they heard it from the Son of God who had scooped out the oceans with his hand, had drawn the rivers with his fingers, so to speak, who brought forth water from the rock to quench Israel's thirst from a rock. We really need to let that sink in exactly what that means. Now he cries, I thirst. What does it mean? What are its implications? Let's look at the various facets and catch the significance and meaning, there's a lot more in it than what first meets the eye. 
was the cry of a man. Here we are brought face to face with the supreme paradox of all time. The Christ was truly the God-man. He was God incarnate. God made manifest in the flesh. He was divine God, very God, before the foundation of the world. He was. He existed from all eternity in the glory of heaven. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The New Testament declares Lord Jesus Christ to be God. Jesus claimed to be God, and the disciples recognized him as God. Jesus himself said, before Abraham was, I am. That really ticked the, the rulers of the day off when they said that, when he said that. He was human. The cry, I thirst, stresses this. Our Lord's words remind us that he was a partaker of true humanity. That the Son of God was truly incarnate is the fundamental doctrine of the Christian faith. The evidence of our Lord's incarnation is clear and convincing, a real, vital, complete assumption of human nature by the second person of the Trinity. It's clearly taught in Scripture. He was born of a woman, he grew up with the natural appetites of a man. He performed all the ordinary actions of a man. He ate, he drank, he walked, he sat, he wept, he slept, and at length he died. And if these proofs are not sufficient, he is repeatedly and expressly styled as a man. He grew in knowledge, and every time I read that, he grew in knowledge, I'm going... But he knows everything. But this is Jesus as the man. Expressed human emotions, and he is said to have been like his fellow humans in all things. Our Lord's dying exclamation, I thirst, reminds us of his incarnation and is one evidence of its truth. What a contrast this is. Yet his life had been one full of contrast. He was the son of God, yet was born in a stable. He knew all things, yet he grew in wisdom and maturity. He had favour with God and man, equal authority with God, yet he was subject to his earthly mother. He fed hungry multitudes with a few small loaves and a few small fish, Yet his own hunger in the wilderness was an occasion for satanic temptation. He said he was meek and lowly in heart, yet he declared himself greater than Solomon. He wept at the grave of Lazarus and then raised him from the dead. The contrast can't be more stark that he was a man and he can identify with everything that we are and what we struggle with. With such contrast in the life of Christ, we need not wonder that he stood in the temple and cried, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. 
destined that he should hang upon a cross and in extreme suffering cries out, I thirst. The theologian A.W. Pink, in stressing Christ's humanity, pointed out that God does not thirst, the angels don't thirst, but we thirst because we are human and so did Jesus. I thirst stresses not only Jesus' humanity, but also his suffering. Realize the full impact of these words and recall what preceded them. He had observed the meal with his disciples as he instituted the Lord's Supper. He had gone from there to Gethsemane where sweat, as it were, great drops of blood in his agony. I think of that night, the pressure, the the immense pressure he must have been under as he was praying to his father. He'd been arrested, dragged from trial to trial, he'd been mocked, ridiculed, slapped and scourged. Now the nails had been driven through his hand and feet, the crown of thorns pierced his brow. They weren't just little thorns. Massive. It had been 18 or 20 hours since he had anything to drink. Just think about it. For six hours he'd been on the cross. Throughout all of this, he never complained or cried out for pity. But now he cries, I thirst. Jesus suffered and his suffering was very real. Early heresy, denial, denied the reality of his suffering, but the New Testament stresses it over and over. That is what Paul meant when he declared Christ had to suffer. It is what the writer of Hebrews meant when he said, because Christ himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. That's you and me. It is the emphasis of Peter when he wrote, Christ suffered in his body. In the New Living Translation, it said, he suffered physical pain. I think we read it, but we don't understand the full implication of what Jesus went through for you and me. Jesus suffered, though he was the Son of God. God did not exempt his only begotten Son. He suffered. And so must we. We are not exempt or immune. Sorrow and heartaches, grief and pain belong to all of us. We can all go back into times on, of our life where we felt intense pain. It was a cry on behalf of man. Jesus cried, I thirst, but why? Why was he suffering? Why was he dying? It was on behalf of others that he suffered. Peter described this thing, for Christ died for sins once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you and me to God. He suffered in life that we might not have to suffer in death. He cried, I thirst, on the cross that we might not cry, I thirst, in hell. 
course, without Christ, that's our destination. Jesus did not have to suffer. At the beginning of the crucifixion, Jesus had been offered an intoxicating drink to deaden the pain of the cross, and he refused. He was going to pay everything that was needed for you and me, leaving nothing undone. He refused to drink and choosing rather to suffer the agony and pain, choosing to taste the full bitterness of the cup that was his to drink. And he knew what was coming. He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will but yours be done. He knew how intense it was going to be. Jesus knows, therefore, all that we endure. This means we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathise with our weaknesses because he has gone through it all, yet without sin. He understands our grief and pain, sorrow and heartache, suffering and anguish, but we can cast all our cares on him, for he cares for us. He proved that he cares for us by suffering on our behalf. They weren't just empty words. Why did Jesus wait until he'd been on the cross for six hours before he cried out, I thirst? The scripture says that it was not until Jesus knew that all things were now accomplished. One word that we really need to hear, understand, until all things were accomplished, until then he didn't say, I thirst. Not until his murderers had been forgiven, a penitent thief saved, his mother provided for, and sin had been conquered, did he think of himself. Everything was to do with the Father's will. Everything leaving nothing undone. After Jesus encountered and defeated Satan in the wilderness, he met Satan again in the battle for the souls of humans, us. With the battle over and victory won, knowing that all things were now accomplished, he said, I thirst. Why not sooner? He was too busy meeting the needs of the world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. See, we, we, we have to think way outside of what we see here this morning, the world. And that needs to be our focus as well, the world. The scripture says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He was looking into the eons of time, maybe even the year 2022, and he saw us here this morning, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. I have to think in that way before I can fully appreciate everything that he did for me. I've got to bring it back to here. It was the cry of a man. I thirst. It was not a prayer offered to the Father as Christ had done earlier. 
Had he petitioned the throne of God, the Father could have satisfied his thirst in countless ways. Instead, he cried to those beneath the cross. Hear me now. He's crying to us today too. He cried for their help, even as he cries today for our service. In that hour, he was utterly dependent on their help. His hands and his feet were nailed to the cross, and he could not lift a drink to his lips. His feet were nailed and tied and could not seek a cooling stream. He was helpless, dependent on those who cared. His hands bound couldn't minister to our world. His voice cannot speak his truth. His arms cannot embrace this world with love. He is dependent on us. He cries out for our help today. Out of the many who stood by, there was only one who gave him a drink to quench his thirst. A soldier ran to offer a sponge of bitter wine. Ran. This deed reminds us of Jesus' words, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, he will certainly not lose his reward. Don't you envy that soldier? I do. I Just put yourself in that position. I could have given Jesus a drink in his time of need. Wouldn't you have liked to have been the man who gave Christ that drink? Well, you can be. For through the lips of thousands today, he still speaks this word. We hear it in those who thirst for our love and our kindness. In those who thirst for concern and compassion. In those who thirst in suffering and sorrow. In those who thirst for forgiveness and insurance. We can hear the cry and can satisfy the thirst. In doing so, we are ministering to the thirst of the Christ. It was Jesus who said, Inasmuch as you did it for the least of these my brethren, you have done it for me. So often we think so little of it, somebody, you know, like... You know, it's a joy to be able to shout somebody a, a, a coffee or a cold drink if it's a hot day. Where there is need, where there is sorrow, where there is loneliness, where there is sin, there is the Christ today. Listen, and you can hear his cry, I thirst. In this hour, Jesus thirsts for your service and your love and your presence. But perhaps like the disciples, you have forsaken him and fled. He thirsts for your return. And we can say that to people, Jesus is thirsting for your return. And that's what makes us ambassadors for God, pleading on behalf of God, be reconciled to God through the man Christ Jesus.
Jesus thirsts for lost souls today. It was for this purpose that he suffered. Once he asked a lost woman for a drink of water to quench his thirst, and in turn he offered her living water so she would never thirst again. She opened her heart and received the Lord Jesus Christ. In doing so, she satisfied the thirst of our Saviour. One day, if you do not accept Jesus as your Saviour, you will utter the same cry, I thirst, like the rich man in hell. And we think, is, is it that important? Yes, it's that important. That's why there's such an urgency that we, with tears, if need be, say to people, you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Because otherwise you're going to thirst for all eternity. On the other hand, if Jesus is your saviour, you'll never thirst again. Heaven is yours, where you shall hunger no more, neither thirst. That's what the Bible says. No hunger, no thirst. Jesus' invitation is to you. If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. We used to sing this, I heard the voice of Jesus say, Behold, I freely give. The living water, thirsty one, stoop down and drink and live. I came to Jesus and I drank of that life-giving stream. My thirst was quenched, my soul revived. Now I live in him. Greatest words the greatest confession that you could ever make in your whole life. May God draw you by his Holy Spirit. I, to me, this is an invitation. Lord, coming back to you has been the best thing that has ever happened in my life. I knew about God as a, as a little boy growing up in a Christian family. Read, read all this stuff. My, my father used to read it to us. And it was all very real. But I saw my parents working hard and never getting ahead. And at the age of eight, I made a promise that I was going to work just as hard as my father and mother but I was going to have money. And that's what drew me away until I was 33 years of age. And it was almost like God said, Bernie, that's far enough. It's time to turn back. First time in my life I was fearful of dying. I heard the voice of Jesus say, who's been the boss of your life, all of your life? I said, me? He said, if you make me the Lord of your life, I will lead you for the rest of your life. And I just started confessing every sin that the Holy Spirit brought to my memory. And when I went into that operating theatre, I couldn't have cared whether I lived or died because I was right with God. Come on, we've all got a testimony. We've all got a testimony that we can share with somebody. 
We need to learn to give our testimony in two minutes, in five minutes, in ten minutes. But our testimony needs to be, I was lost, I was dead in trespasses and sins, and Jesus came in and saved me. It's that simple. Let's pray. Father, we come to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We come to thank you. Lord, so often we read your word and we read over it rather than reading what's in there. Father, help us, Lord, to maybe read it a little bit slower and really start to say, Lord, what do you mean by this? Give me understanding, Father. Holy Spirit, let your spirit be at work in my understanding, in my intellect, that I can understand your word better. Lord, that I may get the full meaning as to what's on that page with black letters on it. Father, help us, Lord, this Easter to be so mindful of what you did to Lord, Lord Jesus Christ on that cross. That your personal desires or wants never came to the fore until all was accomplished. Lord, may we be game enough to pray prayers like that. Lord, for our families, Father, for our friends, Father, for those that don't know us yet, but we long to make a connection. Father, that we would be able to offer them a cup of cold water, so to speak, in Jesus' name. And Lord, have opportunity to speak to them about the goodness and the greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for mankind. Lord, that's why it's called Good Friday, because of what Jesus did on the cross. Lord, it's not good that he suffered, but Lord, a whole world he died for, that a whole world could be saved. And Lord, I just pray that Lord, our thinking would go deeper than just skin deep, so to speak. And that we would really say, Lord, what is to be my role in life? That I can offer help, offer comfort, offer forgiveness, offer to pray. Lord, bring it home to us, I pray. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.